Thanks for listening to iTruths, the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church of Texarkana, Texas. I'm Richard Hornock, the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and the following is a message that I delivered during one of our Sunday morning worship services. I trust that it will be beneficial to your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks again. Ephesians chapter 5 at verse 25. He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water and with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. Now, we are wrapping up a series of messages today. Uh, We have uh, called it or asked the question, you know, who are we? Who are we as a people? What's, what's our culture, if you will? If you go to my uh, computer and all the notes on uh, this series of sermons, uh, they're filed under a directory called the Fellowship Feel. Here's the deal. I've said this several times over the last uh, five weeks, six weeks. You know, every business, every restaurant, every sports team, every church has a unique feel, uh, has a unique culture, or to use the current term, has a unique vibe. I mean, let's face it, just talking about church. In Texarkana, there's, there's at least a couple dozen churches that are exactly like us. Same theology, same doctrine, same kind of programming, similar buildings, and uh, yet they feel very, very different. Now, you know, fellowship, you know, they have a better preacher and they've got a lots better assistant pastor, student ministry. You know, that's, that rocks. It's a, a joke, at least the part about the preacher stuff. Uh, by the way, hey, we do have the best student pastor in town just by far. We've got two people that are vying. Yeah. We've got two people that are vying, and maybe someday they'll be just as good, but that's only because they grew up in Andy's student ministry. Did you realize we've got two kids that grew up in this church that are student pastors here in town, uh, Grant Miner and uh, Stephen Mathias? Uh, so, uh, and they are disciples of Andy, you know? So uh, let, me just, uh, let me just tell you, God has used him. So, so maybe not all churches are alike, you know? But anyway, we're, you got my drift. But let me tell you, there's a couple dozen churches that are just like us, at least on paper. But if you went to those churches, each one would have a very different feel. Each one would have a very different vibe. And so what I've been doing for the last uh, six weeks, today we're going to wrap it up, uh, is I've just been saying, what, you know, what vibe do we want? Uh, should we have that God would want us to have? Well, you know, the first two are no-brainers. You know, Jesus said, someone asked him, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor. So, okay, the first two, you know, we got. We want to be Jesus-exalting. We want to be people-valuing. 
I mean, hopefully if someone came here and they, someone asked them, what was that Fellowship Bible Church like? Hopefully they would say somewhere in those lists of description, those people really were into Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, if, if the first and foremost thing that comes about is, man, the Cowboys stink this year. How are they letting us down? And that becomes the most important thing a person catches from us. Or, boy, those people were really into their yard, or those people were really into uh, this and that, or those people are really into this other program. We've missed it. Now, on paper, and I'm sure all of us would give the Sunday school answer, it's all about Jesus, but the real question is, what are we really communicating? I hope and pray And one of the reasons I did this series is because I want, first and foremost, someone who comes here to say, those people really are about Jesus. And those people really are all about trying to love their neighbor as themselves. Well, because those aren't the only two in the scriptures. Lots more. But if we were to just list off a few others, what would they be? Well, these are my suggestions We've already covered three of them. We want to be life-infusing. We want you to come and leave fuller than when you left, when you came. We want you to come and, because you have been here, fill life. It's, It's been more energizing because you've enjoyed the fellowship, you've enjoyed the community, you've enjoyed the, the, the time in the Word of God, you've enjoyed the time at the throne of God. And so it's been a life-infusing experience. We, you know, we don't have an unlimited budget, but we want to do things as well as we possibly can. We want to pursue excellence. We want to do ministry. Why? So that people will be impressed with us? No, not at all. We want to do things as well as we can because we serve the King of Kings. And this is what he's given us. And we're all limited, but we're going to do it as best as we can. Not to impress people, but to impress upon people. We're doing this for God. This is God's business. I know most of us, we all at work try to do our work really well. We ought to be trying to do ministry, fellowship Bible, really well. We're excellent pursuing. And then, you know, also, you know, and this is particularly important in in this era, people are so despondent, people are so discouraged, Christians and unbelievers alike. But we've got the hope. We've got the hope of eternity. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Our our issue with God has been totally settled. And if anyone has hope, we have it. And and it's not just that we would feel it ourselves. It would rub off on people. And so when someone comes, they'd say, you know what? Those people, man, they, they have hope. No, you know, not some, you know, spirit-sprinkled, you know, sugary, sweet, departed-from-reality optimism, blind optimism, a real deep conviction. It's like I said last week, nothing scares us to death. It doesn't mean that, you know, man, we're just cavalier towards life, but the truth of the matter is 
even though we're in the flesh, even though we're finite, even though we're still sinful beings, because of the hope Jesus Christ gives us, we know that God could get us through anything. I might hate it, I don't want it to happen, but it doesn't matter whether we're talking bankruptcy or a broken relationship or, or horrible health or even death. Nothing separates us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's the hope we have, and we want to share it. Well, you know what? I've got one more that I want to share with you. And if you looked at the bulletin, you probably have seen it there on the front cover. If you're part of 930, yeah, you heard us talk about it. You know what? I've got one more I want to share with you. And that is that we are people who actually love this church. Uh, you've probably never heard a sermon on this. I've never preached a sermon on this. But here's my goal. My goal is that when you leave today, you will at least consider stepping up to the call to love Fellowship Bible Church the way Jesus loves Fellowship Bible Church. And I'm not just talking love the people in this room because we all need to do that and should do that. I'm talking about loving this ministry, loving this, this local church, loving this, this, this entity that is made up of a bunch of individuals who have bound themselves together to be a local body of Christ. I love this church. I love their strategy. I love their ministry. I love their philosophy. I love, I love the individuals of this church, and I love what this church stands for in this community. As people hear about Fellowship Bible Church, I believe, and I may be one of the only people that you're going to hear this from, but I firmly believe you should love this local church. And when God moves you on and he leads you to another local church, you need to love that local church. And I mean, not just, yeah, that's where I'm going, you know. It's kind of so-so. They're a little different. But I love that church. You know, we've had five or six families move away this summer. And Lord willing, all of them are finding local churches. I know Jonathan and Mariah have found a local church up there in Alexandria, Virginia. I'm praying that they will love that church. I'm praying that the Sullivans will love that church over in Mount Pleasant. We should love our local church. Now, you're probably saying, you're right. I never have heard a sermon on that. It sounds a little self-serving, especially coming from the pastor. Shouldn't you have gotten a guest preacher to come in and say, you all should love Fellowship Bible Church, especially after the guy bragged about being good and having the greatest youth pastor there is. So uh, why? Why should you do that? Is there any biblical rationale for that? And you know what? I'm glad you asked that question. Why should you do it? I got two reasons. Here's the first one. I believe that it is logical, biblical, I dare say, based on a proper reading of Scripture. 
Now, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Most of the New Testament, the vast majority of the New Testament, was written to local churches. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the book of Acts, they were kind of these, these public books that were written to the masses. But when you get to Romans, all the way to the book of Revelation, they were written to local bodies of believers. And, and here's the deal. In those cities, particularly at that time, there was a church in Corinth. There wasn't 20 churches in Corinth. There was a church in Corinth. There was a church in Ephesus. There was a church in Philippi. There was a church in Antioch. You know, when you, when you look at the book of Acts in Acts 20, Paul is passing by Ephesus. But he didn't want to go all the way into Ephesus, and so he's about 10 miles away from it. So he sends word, and he has the elders come out and meet him. You get the impression very clearly when you read through Acts 20, we're talking five or six people. Five or six elders. We have five elders on our church right now, in our church right now, on our board. Ephesus, it was probably about our size. Maybe a little bigger. Could have been a little smaller. The book Church in Colossae might have been even smaller than that. They, they were not sitting there, and when they, you know, you know let's take the book of Romans. When, when someone got that book of Romans from Paul, and they had a public meeting like this, and they read it to them, they weren't sitting there saying, I sure hope those people over at First Baptist are listening to this. I mean, you know, this, Paul's writing to Rome, and, you know, there's a million churches in Rome, and so this wasn't for us, that was for them. That was for them. Oh, well, maybe, yeah, when he complimented us, that's us. That's us. You know, we're at, this, we're at the right end of Moore's Lane where we do things right. They're at the wrong end of Moore's Lane where they do things wrong. He wasn't doing that. And, and so here's the deal. The, the original readers of Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, etc., they were local churches who first and foremost understood the instructions as to them. I mean, it's like they're sitting around saying, okay, I guess we better start getting along. Uh, I guess we better start preferring one another. We better start submitting to one another. We better start whatever. Can you imagine being in Philippi? You know, let's just put it in modern-day language. You know, you get to chapter 4, and Paul says, now I want Iodia and Syntyche. Well, let's just give them good names today. I want Diana Morris and Karen Revis to start getting along. And Josh, I want you to help them. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what it was. I mean, it was personal. And they're sitting there saying, yep, Diana and Karen can't get along, you know? And Josh really does need to step in and to help if David stepped in, you know, because these women got to get along, you know? They, they weren't sitting and saying, I wonder who in the world is Yodia and Syntyche? 
I wonder what, what, they, what did they do? I'm going to call my friends over at Wake Village First Baptist because I think they know, they've got a Yodi in their house. I wonder if he's talking about that one. No, they knew it. Everything that was given to them, they personalized it because it was just us. There weren't thousands of believers in Rome when they got the book of Romans. There might have just been a couple hundred, if that even. Now, yeah, in Jerusalem, thousands. The thing exploded. But Ephesus, Antioch, Corinth, Philippi, Colossae, just little local churches struggling to get a foothold for the gospel. Here's the deal. The world has gotten so small, you know, with podcasts and the internet and Christian radio and mass publishing and all that stuff. When we see the word church, we think, oh, there's three billion of us that are in the church. Well, maybe. But... I don't take, we shouldn't, it'd be wrong for me, it'd be an improper for me, it'd be illogical to use my term up here, for us to sit and say, well, that doesn't apply to me, that's just applying to the other 2.9 billion people out there. I've got that one settled, but the other people, I'm sure there's some people out there that need to hear that. That's not talking to us, because we've got it all together. We've got this sweet fellowship. We even put it in our name. We all get along. We all love each other. We all submit. I hope the people at First Baptist catch that. All of those instructions are written to us, and first and foremost, the first way they ever thought about it, in fact, some ways, maybe the only way they ever thought about it, was on the local church level. Now, I'm not at all denying the quote, you know, universal body of Christ. Every person who has trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior is part of the church. Okay? That's true. We, you know, Romans 12, or uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we've all been baptized by the Holy Spirit, etc. We're all part of the church. You meet a believer at work tomorrow, that person's trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior, yeah, they're in the church. And hopefully they're in a local church. But that's not what the original readers would have sat and thought first and foremost. They wouldn't have been going to work and saying, i got to go find some other people in the church. Because they knew the other people in the church. They were the people that were with them the night before at someone's big house as they were reading whatever Paul just wrote them. So get that right. Now, with that said, I want you to go over to that passage, if you still have your Bible open, and read Ephesians 5 with that kind of a perspective. How would the people at Ephesians Bible Church, that might have been about our size, how would they have understood these instructions that Paul was giving to the husbands? Now, husbands, verse 25, Ephesians 5, verse 25. Now, husbands, I want you to love your wives just like Christ loved the church, just like Christ loves us, us 75 people sitting here in this guy's living room, and how he gave himself up for us. 
that he might sanctify us having cleansed us with the washing of water and with the word that he might present to himself us our group our fellowship bible group in all our glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that he, she that we should be holy and blameless now we could go to several other passages but doesn't that add a new flair to it he wants me to love Vicky, my wife. He wants you to love your wife if you're privileged enough to be married. He wants you as a wife, if you're privileged enough to be married, to love your spouse, your husband, the way Jesus loves Fellowship Bible Church. I mean, Jesus died for this group of people. Jesus wants this group of people to be holy and blameless. I mean, you're learning so much here about the definition of what love is. I mean, we're living in a, such a, a whacked out time. We see love as a pit. It's something you fall into. And it evidently is one of those, you know, it defies the imagination. It must be a bottomless pit that's got a hole on the other end where you come out on the other side because you can fall out of it. I guess maybe that's as the world turns or something. I don't know. Didn't they make a soap opera about that or something when I was a kid? But, I mean, love's not a pit that we stumble into and stumble out of, fall out of. Love, particularly this agape love that's being used here, you remember in the Greek language there were several words for love, one of which is agapao or agape as we like to pronounce it. And it is this unconditional love that Jesus has for the church that manifests itself in serving, in sacrificing, in, in seeking what is best for that individual to be holy and blameless before God. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for this local body. That's, the, that's how those people in Ephesus would have first and foremost understood it. Man, I'm supposed to love Vicky the way I love this church. And it's kind of interesting. Maybe at that time, those people actually just really naturally did have that love for their local church. It's like, I got to love my wife like that? I mean, I like the guys at church. That's fun to be at church. And I'm, I got to love her like that? Isn't that interesting? You know, it's because that was the only place she could go to find any kind of Christian fellowship. That was the only place she could go to really hear the truth. That was the only place she could go where people really loved you unconditionally and accepted you even though, you know, you had been this and you had been that and you'd done this other thing. They loved you there. They accepted you there and, and, and you were supposed to love your spouse like they love you, like Jesus through them loves you. You see what the point is? So I started all this asking, why should you love this church, this local body of believers? And like I said, we could go to a few other passages. The reason is because Jesus loves this place. 
Jesus loves this place enough, look at verse 25, that he gave himself up for us. He wants to sanctify us through the cleansing, by the washing of the water and with the word of God. He wants to present us, us. He wants to present us in all our glory with no spot or wrinkle or any, anything like that. He, he wants us to be holy, to be blameless. I believe that you and I should love this church that way. I believe we should love the church we have attached ourselves to that way. God wants us not just to love the individuals within it, but to love the entity because here's another verse for you. I don't have it on the screen, but I, I, you could write it down. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Because we are the household. Here he kind of uses that same analogy, family. We're the household of God, and we are the pillar of of the truth it's not that we make up the truth it's that we've acknowledged the truth of God and our job is to be a testimony to the community you know the old preachers used to talk about the church kind of being the lighthouse the lighthouse that's I don't it's a dark world but boy the light is emanating from fellowship bible it's a lighthouse. It's, it's where I can find the truth. And 1 Timothy chapter 3.15 calls us a household of faith and a pillar of the truth that holds up that truth to this dark community that we're in. And I think God is calling us and saying we should love not just the individuals in the church, because we can all find a couple dozen people here we really love. We just naturally love them, because we can also find a couple dozen people that are kind of hard to love. And he's not just saying, I want you to love all of them, the ones you really like and the ones you really don't like, or the ones you struggle with. I think he's saying, I want you to love them as individuals, and I want you to love them as a corporation. Because they're the pillar of the truth. They, together, we are reaching up and holding the truth out to this community. This is what God's like. This is what Jesus is like. Here's the gospel. Here's how to walk in faith. Here is how to be the people of God. Here's how to think about what's going on out there. And, and not only do we love the people at the church, we love the church because Jesus loved the church. Well, that answers, it leads to another question. Okay, how in the world do I do that? What, what, is, what do you do with that? How in the world can I cultivate, and then once I've cultivated it, maintain a love for Fellowship Bible Church? If, if you're right, and some of you are probably saying, I'm not really sure you're right, but just think on it. 
let the Holy Spirit uh, lead you. But once you're there and say, okay, I want to do that. I want that because uh, I do want to love this local church like Jesus would love this local church. How can I cultivate that and how can I maintain it? Well, before I get to some specifics, let me just say, uh, Satan does not want you to love this place. I, I, I think it is totally correct, the whole concept of the universal church and the local church. When I meet someone that, you know, goes to another body of believers, another local church, and that person is born again, that person is trusting Jesus Christ, that person is a brother or a sister in Christ. There is a kinship, and, and I mean, we're on the same team. And I should love them and affirm them and, and encourage them and serve them and all those things. You know, it, it's there. We're all in the universal church, if you want to say it that way. I hate that word universal, but I can't think of a better one. But here's the deal. I honestly think that one of the things, one of the tricks Satan has done, he has got us to be so into the universal church that we've forgotten our love and devotion and commitment to the local church. I mean, shoot, you can get on a podcast and you can hear all these preachers that are almost as good as I am. I mean, that's another joke, okay? Come on, you guys aren't laughing, okay? Because I'm really a humble guy, okay? You can hear the best and you don't even have to pay. You just ignore that little pitch at the end about help us out with this ministry. We don't do this for free. You know, we still have to pay for our groceries and our electricity. But you just fast forward through that. You probably don't even listen to that part. You just download the next sermon and hear that incredible teaching again and and so i mean good grief you can hear the best teachers from san diego all the way to boston you know or from miami all the way to seattle you can hear the best you know anyone in the english-speaking world you can hear them and so we're all we're all then and you know now you know we're getting ready for an election there's going to be a national thing the church is going to come together we're going to we're going to do it right this time around and it's so easy for us to get caught up and i think i think satan in a way is 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 not is we need to function that way don't so don't hear me wrong but i honestly think that somehow satan gets us so into the universal church we have no connection to the local church and so we do here and here and here and over there and download this and that and we're just kind of you know enjoying the best of the cafeteria and quite frankly we don't have a connection to anyone locally very little i mean i've met so many people and and you know vicky says i'm nuts for thinking this but i think about this as a pastor i wonder when they die who's going to do their funeral you know they're probably you know because they're kind of acquainted with me they might ask me but i don't know that person from uh, from adam and quite frankly i've never been their pastor i've been their neighbor i've been their friend i've been this acquaintance of someone that they met you know because i was in the nutcracker or they were in this or that but you know i'm not their pastor they don't have a pastor he might be a believer he's claimed to be a believer but i sit and i think you know you're listening to this i mean are you going to get swindall to come and do your service 
you know, is Tony Evans going to come and hold your hand before you have your kidney replacement? You know, who's going to pastor you? Who, who's going to take your meals? Who's going to be the community of faith that actually is not virtual? I mean, you can only get so much out of a Zoom meeting, can't you? I mean, I'm all for it, but you better have as your first entree a local community that you are contributing to and pulling from, a give-and-take relationship that you love. I mean, yeah, we need to use all the strength of the universal church, but there's a, there, there's a local ministry. And so, you know, I, let me just give you a couple suggestions here. Now, you probably would have picked up this first one just because where I was and how I explained it. Of, of all the passages I could have gone to, I went to Ephesians 5. I think, in a way, not a 100% parallel, I think you need to think of Fellowship Bible Church as you would think of a spouse. Uh, if you're privileged enough to be married, you should think of Fellowship Bible Church the way you're supposed to think about your spouse. Now, yeah, marriage is until death do us part and, you know, very limited reasons for that relationship to, to be dissolved. Uh, it's not a 100% connection, okay? I understand that. But I think the love you have for this place, for not just the individuals in it, but for us as a corporation and the ministry and strategy, you know, the mission that God has called us to, I think you need to view us as a spouse. You know, how does a spouse, how, how do I love my wife? How should you love your wife or your husband? If ever you get married, how should you love that spouse? Well, let me tell you. Yeah, you, you, the feelings are incredible and wonderful when they're there. But you love whether the feelings are there or not. There is an unconditional nature to it that I am here to serve and sacrifice. And so many times, just the way we're wired... Many, many times, the feelings follow the actions. They don't proceed. I don't, I don't serve Vicky because I feel all this stuff. Many times I sacrifice and serve and then feel these things. That, that's how real love works. That's what Jesus did. And so I think, in a way, you need to, to, to just... Just, just consider it if you're, really, you know, if you're really pushing back on this thing and say, I'm not really sure he's really got it. Just put it in the back of your head and uh, just see what the Holy Spirit does with it, okay? But I honestly think you need to view Fellowship Bible as a spouse. And God is calling you to be very, very faithful to it and very loving towards it and very sacrificial towards it and, and, and going above and beyond. I mean, if you want a mediocre, wet marriage... I can tell you how to do it. If you want a very mediocre marriage to your local church, I can tell you how to do it. And I can guarantee you, it does not involve service and sacrifice. I mean, if you want that really good marriage, if you want that really good marriage to your local assembly, 
you better start doing for her like you should be doing for your spouse. So I think one of the first things is, is just to, to kind of get that mentality. I know you've probably never heard that before. Many times I've told that to Vicki over the last 40 years, and she says, I'm not really sure you're right. I think you're nuts. You're the only person that ever thinks that. Well, you know, I, that's what I think. And since I get the floor for another uh, seven minutes, that's what I'm saying, okay? Here we go. Here's the next one. You know what I have found? If I'm going to think about spouse... If I'm going to think about Fellowship Bible Church as a spouse, that means I better guard my heart. I learned a long time ago, if I want a really good marriage to that woman right there, I better guard my heart. You know, here's the truth of the matter is, you know, not this sugary sweet stuff that you see out there. Truth of the matter is, I've got a deceitful heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I mean, my heart is sick. And, and yes, when I trusted Jesus Christ as a little kid, I got a new heart. Trouble is, he left the old one in. And in his divine wisdom, that old heart isn't going to get removed until I get that new body at the rapture or up in heaven. But I've got this old heart and, and I better guard it zealously if I want to maintain a good relationship, a good marriage, an incredible marriage with my wife. You better guard your heart about this church. Because you know what happens, you know, with our regular marriages? As soon as you see someone that's, making, that's a little bit better, someone that's a little cuter, someone that's a little bit this or a little bit that or a little less of that, you know, maybe makes a little bit more money, is a little kinder, a little what? All of a sudden, wow, you know, I, you know. And it's so easy to get enamored, drawn away by that other woman, by that other man. It's so easy to allow that, that, that to then turn into a critical spirit that just, oh, yeah. She never puts the dishes away right. You know, it really bugs me. Did you know she, I mean, she mixes the big forks and the little forks. I mean, it just drives me nuts. I mean, can she not understand? The big forks go in this slot and the little forks go in that slot. And all of a sudden, you know, we ain't talking to each other because, I mean, can, I mean, after 40 years, can she learn how to do the dishes, you know? By the way, I'm the one that can't get them in the right slot. I'm just, I'm just trying to wake you up here, okay? If I start doing that about this place, my heart can get so critical, you guys couldn't pay me enough to keep coming here. And I'm the only one that gets, well, Andy gets paid to come too. But other than us, we're the only ones that are paid to be here. Well, I guess we pay Megan. I better quit talking. Probably got, every, probably got everyone on the payroll. I don't know. Maybe that's why we're out of money. But, uh, you know, here's the deal. Here's the deal. When I start nitpicking, when any spouse starts nitpicking, it is so easy for Satan to grab that, turn it critical, and all of a sudden, that relationship is over. It just doesn't, boy, it's not the same church it used to be. You know, I just don't fit in anymore. You know, i getting a little too woke, getting a little too MAGA. 
Well, how do we do that at the same time? I don't know, but you guys are doing it, you know? Uh, you know, it, and, and it is so... I, and, and again, I understand there are times, just like in marriage, there are times that relationship can, should be dissolved. Maybe, you know, God's part of that. And sometimes the same thing happens in church, your relationship to the church. I understand that happens, okay? But I'll just say it. In the same way that there are far too many divorces than there should be, there's far too much church hopping than there should be. And you know what? I don't think that's glorifying to God. It certainly doesn't impress the, the unbelievers and say, boy, I really want to hear your message. Guard your heart. And then the final piece of advice I've got is think seriously about the agape love that Jesus has for this place. And he calls you to have that same kind of love here. You need to be here just to go back to Ephesians 5 so that you can be part of the process of helping this group, this entity, this community be holy and blameless before God to contribute to this overall goal that we want to be presented to Jesus as that bride in all her glory for Jesus Christ. You know, I went through all of this because I really want you to do one thing. I want you to love this place. I want you to love this place like you love or like you should love a spouse. You know, we've had, uh, I mentioned this a couple times, we've had a lot of people leave move away this summer you know uh, already talked about the Sullivans are in another church over in Mount Pleasant Jonathan Ryer and Alexandria soon God eventually will move the Nashes on they're split right now because the house hasn't sold but you know if, if someone were to ask them okay what, what church did you go to there in Texarkana oh you went to Fellowship Bible Church what you know instead of asking what are we like those people say what are they like this is really what I'd love for you to be able to answer. You know, we uh, made you a little card here. It's in the bulletin, and if you didn't get one, they're back there on the table. I think there's some out in the lobby. I would encourage you to pick up this and just stick it in your Bible, a Bible that you use, okay, someplace where you're not going to, you'll see it sometime in the, in the next several days as opposed to the next several years. But put it someplace, and I'd love for you to look at it every once in a while. And with all the other things you've got to pray about, I'd love for you to put this up and pray that God would help us be this. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for just the chance to walk through this study over these last six weeks. Father, we've looked at a lot of different things. I'm sure we've probably raised more questions than answers on some of them. I pray, Father, that your spirit would teach us. I pray, Father, today this place would be so life-giving, so hope uh, 
imparting that that we truly would love it. Uh, Father, we want we want a love relationship with our church because that's the relationship you have with it. And so, Father, today I pray that you would uh, help us to strive towards that. I thank you that we could come together and uh, fellowship and enjoy one another's company. I think that we could sing and study. And we're just grateful for that, Lord. For in Jesus' name, amen. Let's